This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Well, I don't know if you've uh, ever had this experience where you've heard of something or you've come across something and you're like, ooh, something is happening over there. Uh, I'll tell a really uh, <clears throat> simple story, um, which is uh, I, I grew up in, in my high school years um, in a little townhouse complex. And the person uh, over the back fence, uh, at some point, um, we heard little rumours that things were changing for them. Uh, And so we heard that they'd actually quit their job and they were going to start up a business. Oh, something's happening up there for that family. And so we continued on and um, we started to hear that actually the business that they was going to do was to start making gelato. Got you interested now, haven't I? And so out the back of my bedroom was the driveway in between our houses. And so all of a sudden there was this little van that appeared, a diesel van. So I heard it every morning when it started up and it was loaded up with gelato to go and take it around to the, to the various shops uh, that it was sold in uh, in Canberra. I was like, oh, something really is happening uh, up there. This is not just a pet project. This is not just a hobby. Something's going on in that house up there. The next thing I heard was that the guy, our neighbour, had actually started his own shop front in a very trendy part of this city that sold purely his own homemade created gelato. And it was getting rave reviews in all the write-ups in the newspapers and the different magazines in our city. And we started going, okay, no, something is really, really happening up there. Came home one day and mum and dad had said, oh, he's, John, John was his name, he's just dropped in and he gave us some sample pots of gelato that he's been making up in his house for us to taste. And I said, that's amazing, how were they? And they said, they were phenomenal, the best gelato I've ever experienced. And I'm like, great, where is this gelato for me to taste? And they said, oh, we ate it all. And that was the moment I realised my parents and I were in conflict. And because gelato is a love language of mine. Um, and eventually, of course, he actually brought an entire tub um, of, of this gelato that he'd made specifically for, for Christmas, this Christmas-themed gelato. And I got to taste it for myself. And oh my goodness, something truly wonderful and magical was happening up there. Something is happening there. Wouldn't it be wonderful if? Shouldn't it be the case that? Imagine how powerful it would be for people to hear the stories and the rumours that come out of communities of faith and think, wow, something is happening there. For people to get a sense, a little glimpse into our lives and into our shared community of faith and actually go, hang on a minute, something is happening there that's real, that's good, that's powerful, that seems to be life-transforming for the people that belong to those communities. Wouldn't that be something? Well, this morning I want to share about a church in the first century where this was exactly what was happening. They lived in a city called Thessalonica, which is in modern-day Greece, and at the time it was a really significant city in the Roman province. And you can read the story of how the gospel came to this part of the world in Acts chapter 17. Uh, And it's amazing the reception that that Paul and his companions got. And uh, it's worth a read because they made such an impact. They had such a splash uh, in their city that opponents to the gospel actually caused a whole city-wide riot in order to drive them out. Wild, wild stuff. And so Paul writes to this community of faith um, 
possibly as little as a year later, uh, we kind of think. Um, and we have his letter recorded for us in 1 Thessalonians. So if you do have your Bibles, you're more than welcome to open them up and follow along through chapter 1 with me. But Paul writes this perhaps as little as a year later uh, to this community. That we always thank God for you. And we continually mention you in our prayers. Uh, you get the sense for Paul that there is just this genuine, heartfelt joy at what he is hearing about the life and the faith and the witness of this church community um, that he got the chance to plant. Always thank God for all of you and continue to mention you in our prayers. Now, we have a lot of Paul's letters to the churches in our New Testament. And often Paul is writing to churches, as you know, to either correct behavior or to correct belief or maybe just to clarify and confirm theology. But there seems to be something so much more that is happening here for him as he writes to this particular church community in the city of Thessalonica. He values the way that they are doing church. Or in his words, their work produced by faith their labor prompted by love and their endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so unlike some of his other letters where he's kind of pretty quick to get into the things that he'd love to see them change or shift in their behavior or their beliefs, uh, for the first and perhaps only time we have in our New Testament, Paul will lift the church up and recognize that they are a model. They are an example to the other churches there is something about their life and their faith and their witness that is worthy of imitation. Uh, so having gone through um, the story in Acts chapter 6 in part of his letter, he then says, and you have become a model, an example, worthy of imitation to all the believers, to all the churches in the surrounding regions. Certainly in Paul's mind, there is something happening there. Something good, something powerful, something transforming and worthy of imitation. But this just isn't Paul's opinion of what's going on in their church. You would expect him to be a little biased. After all, he planted the church. No, he's not the only one that is hearing these things. And so he records that the Lord's message has rung out from you not only in Macedonia and Archaea, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. Not just in the churches, not just in the apostolic lines and communication pathways, but their faith in God has been known everywhere. In their families, in their community groups, in the marketplace, throughout the city, in the temples to other idols, and in the cities and towns that surround them. Something is happening there in that faith group that meet together in the city of Thessalonica. And people couldn't miss it. And people were talking about it. And news was spreading. This is the ripple effect, right? And so the question naturally then becomes for us, well, what are the stories that get told in our day about the church? What is the church known for? 
And so here I'm going to turn it over to you. I'd love you to turn to somebody uh, around you if you're comfortable. Uh, if you don't, just look at your phone or something and people will get the message. Um, but I'd love you just to turn to the people around you and, and, and ask that question. What are the stories that get told in our day? What is the church? I'm thinking Big C Church uh, in, in the Western Church. What are we known for in the towns and the cities around us? All right, so there's certainly a little bit of hubbub of conversation. So some things are obviously coming to, to mind. You're aware that people have opinions, they, they have thoughts, uh, they do talk about uh, the church uh, as a whole kind of out there uh, in the community. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to, to, to kind of shout out the various different things, but I would love to do a, a straw poll. Hands up if the things that you shared were mostly positive. Love that. All right. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, hands up if they were more on the negative side of things. Yeah, mix. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> well, obviously, I just wanted to say I can't ask that question, what is the church known for out there, without acknowledging that it's not all good. That while we're involved in some amazing works um, as Christians uh, in, in Australia, uh, serving the poor, um, and a whole bunch of other things, there is also this history, this legacy, um, perhaps a, at times, well-earned reputation that is not so shining. Uh, one of my favourite bits of research, you hear me refer to it uh, quite a bit, um, was by McCrindle Research uh, on faith and belief in Australia. So it's an Australian-based study from a couple of years ago. And I've often shared that in the context of the positive about how many Australians are open to things of faith and, and just how powerful a simple conversation and sharing your faith personally is. But as part of that research, they explored, well, what are some of the blockers or, or some of the things that, that, that seem to get people to have an, keep faith and church and Christians at an arm's length? And there's probably no great surprises here to their, to their answers. In their research and their finding, um, they said perceptions of Christians and Christianity are negatively influenced by the actions and the behaviours of Christians in society. Perceptions of church abuse are the greatest negative influence, and two-thirds also say that they are negatively influenced by, shall we say, perceived hypocrisy in the church. Whether that's the hypocrisy of Christian leaders whose on-stage public persona doesn't match their off-stage character, or the hypocrisy of everyday Christians who try to go around and constantly draw attention to the speck in someone else's eye without dealing with the plank in their own. The reality is we live in somewhat of a small closed bubble down here on earth. And so people who have heard, they've heard of the church scandals, they've heard of the conflicts, they've heard of the double standards, the moral failures, and they've heard the stories from people that they deeply, deeply love and value, who have been deeply wounded at the hearts of those, by, by, at the hands or the words of those who claim the name Jesus, or even those who claim the name church. And so I just want to recognise that over the last few weeks, um, as a church, we've been thinking about, well, what does it mean to be missional? What does it mean for this positive ripple effect out into our community amongst those who don't yet know Jesus? And, and we've kind of talked about the outward 
direction of that, that we're going to pray for them, that we're going to bless them and serve them, that we're going to actually want to share faith with them, that we're going to want to live differently among them, and that we want to go to where they are and be close in proximity. Uh, And to end our kind of ripple effect series, I'd love just to draw our attention to what is happening here and just how important this is for the effectiveness of our faith and our witness how Christians gather together, how we do community, how we worship, the stories that get told from this place have incredible potency to either raise spiritual curiosity or allow people to be entrenched in their unbelief. And so what are the stories that do get shared from this local church of faith? What are the stories that that can be shared What are the stories that will be shared into the future from the life of our church? And I want to encourage us by just how simple and potentially powerful this can be by sharing a very recent example of this. I'm going to anonymize this, if that's okay. Um, But someone came up to me only a weekend before last, and I think we're going to call her for the sake of today, Annie. That's a nice name, Annie. So Annie comes up to me and she recounts this story of being in the courtyard and just having a conversation with people, as we do, at the end of church and sharing in the context of that conversation eh, that life had been a little bit tough. Nothing crazy, nothing outrageous, you know, hadn't had a baby, hadn't had any hospital visits or anything sudden and dramatic happen like that. But life is, you get it, we all experience it. At times, it can be a slog. And so just mention this in conversation because... Well, we genuinely care about how each other are doing. And so we're asking each other as part of our expression of what it means to be a family of faith. And so hearing this, there was a family in the church who just felt moved by God, prompted by God, that it would be a really nice thing just to bless this person by providing uh, some vouchers, which means they could order in some food and have some meals taken care of for the weeks ahead. Right? Normal, nothing fancy. We do this all the time. This is what it means to be the church, right? But of course, using those meals meant she took them into her workplace. And her work colleagues noticed, well, hang on a minute, that's different than the normal kind of food that you bring uh, to work today. What's, what have you got there? And so she was able to share, well, actually a family in my church blessed me with a whole bunch of vouchers to get a whole bunch of meals just as a sign of blessing and trying to lift me up and encourage me. And of course, what do you think those people hearing that story started to think and started to say? And so someone just asked the question, oh, Is that something that Christians do? And so Annie was able to share, yeah, of course. This is completely normal in the life of my church, that people look out for each other, that they take care of each other, that they're quick to try and bless and serve and protect one another. And in fact, we've got a whole meals ministry that's organized to do that formally at the same time that all of the things like this are happening just informally and relationally. And someone, uh, and I guess, shared as part of that that, you know, when someone has a baby or something like that, uh, we go to this effort to make sure that someone's provided for. And the friend's comment, and uh, Annie can correct me if I've got this wrong, um, was that, oh, well, next time I have a baby, maybe your church is the kind of place that I should belong to. Right? They hear the stories of our life. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be in church? That we love each other, that we serve each other prepared to walk with each other and that is the story that's the rumor that starts to spread and I think for Australians this is completely uh, really important as it starts to break down maybe some of those other narratives or those other perceptions um, maybe the hardness of heart that they may have towards the church as actually see and they hear a real life story of 
oh, I didn't know that's what it meant to be in church. Oh, I didn't know that's what Christians were like. Hmm, that seems quite good and quite different from my experience. So Paul, he goes on, he says, the Lord's message has rung out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but actually your faith has become known everywhere. And therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. And in there, he's talking about the reception of, of preaching the gospel. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. I don't think we can understand just how much of a talking point this would have been in Thessalonica and the surrounding regions. Right? This city is located in Greece. It's in a Roman empire. Uh, so they've, they've got gr- uh, all the kind of gods and the idols um, from, from Greek gods through to all the Roman gods. Um, and, and this was just the normal everyday practice for believers living in Thessalonica. The Greek gods are, um, and broken paganism was everywhere. So if you were going to plant a tree, you would pray to the relevant God. If you were going to go on a business trip, you would visit the relative shrine. If you were going to get a son or a daughter married, then then a serious and expensive worship act at one of those kind of deities was expected. That what was normal. Uh, Cities would stumble over themselves to build temples to gods and to idols. And um, you might know this name, Julius Caesar, had just been declared by Augustus um, as one of these new gods that are worthy of worship, worthy of a, a temple. And so to hear this story, that there's a group of believers in this context, in this culture, who actually gather together and actually go, you know what, there is one true living God, and his name is Jesus. And they start living that out. And it is changing their lives and the ways that they live. That is a talking point. And this is coming with, and Paul talks about it a whole bunch through his letter, with incredible suffering and persecution that they face for actually turning their backs on the idol of their day and and turning to the one true living God whose name is Jesus. It was a talking point. People stood up, took notice of the change, of the transformation that was happening You just get this sense that whenever somebody had the the chance to kind of see inside their lives and to to, to see inside their community life as a church, they thought to themselves, there is something going on there. Even if they didn't agree with it, there's something going on there. And it gets them talking. And so I think the question for us is, well, what do people see when they get the chance to to peek into, to, to see into our lives and the lives of us as a community of faith? What, what do they see, what do they hear when they observe the way that we worship? What do they see, what do they observe when they hear of the ways that we serve, of the priorities that we have, of the ways that we actually do relational life with each other as the people of God uh, here in this church? What do they see, what do they hear when they observe the ways that we cross all manner of otherwise barriers? age, gender, political persuasions, nationalities, but we come together united as one for the common cause of Christ Jesus. Man, I hope they see and they hear, they get that something is happening here. Something that's of the kingdom of God. Something that points to the value and the beauty of the person and the work of Jesus. 
I would hope that they would observe and they would experience in us something that is a radical counterculture to the surrounding society. Something that looks different, feels different because of Jesus, not because of us. See, that, I think, has the potential of a beautiful ripple effect as the stories that go out from this place testify to the truth that something real and authentic and good and life-transforming is happening among us. Make sense? Allow me to tell one more story. You guys in the mood for one more story? Okay. I know it's cold. I know it's rainy. One more story. You know, when I was um, about 16 years old, I think I was, I went through a, a really dark patch in my personal life and um, particularly in my spiritual life. And there was probably a bunch of reasons for that. Maybe I was just a 16-year-old boy. I don't know. Um, there was definitely, definitely some spiritual opposition and some things that I didn't re- recognise at the time, but I, I would now as, as clearly demonic. Um, but what it made me do was take a step back from faith. And I stopped reading my Bible and I stopped praying and that part of my faith started to, to wither and I started to, to struggle emotionally and, and relationally uh, because life is lived best when you're walking closely with Jesus. Um, and I remember, um, for some reason, I, I said yes to an invitation um, to reconnect with, with a bunch of Christians. Uh, and at this camp, I thought, wow, I'm experiencing something here that I'm, that I'm not experiencing in the rest of my life. Because I was at a, at a school where all my mates didn't know Jesus, they weren't following Jesus, and even though we spent every recess and lunch together five days a week, 40 weeks a year, we never talked about anything meaningful at all. It was strictly superficial friendships and relationships of convenience and proximity only. But all of a sudden, I got a peek in and I got to actually experience a different reality, a different way of doing and being life and community together. Uh, and I very quickly started plugging into this Friday night expression of that with this, with this group of, of believers. And so I'd come to this thing on, on a Friday night and I'd see these guys who were <clears throat> in uni or, or after uni, um, they, they're working and yet they, they'd come in and we'd all hang out together and we were treated as equal even though we were sort of, you know, year 11, year 11 boys, um, you know, the kids, the, the young, young guys, but would treat us as equals. I remember coming into that place and, and seeing just the, the genuineness and the authenticity of the expression of worship together. Man, something was happening here. And it was real and it was authentic and God was moving and it was a stark contrast to what I'd been experiencing over the last year or two as I drifted away uh, from God. And it was in stark difference to what I was experiencing amongst my secular non-Christian mates. And I won't say that I obviously came to faith because I already was a Christian. I never, never left that. But there was something about my experience of Christian community that radically drew me closer to Jesus again, that made me want to be closer to Jesus, that made me value the person to my left and the person to my right, regardless of their background or their age or their gender, but just this common love for the Jesus who had saved us the Jesus who was rescuing us and redeeming us, the Jesus who was ever drawing us on and deeper with him. And that was the community uh, a year or two later that, that, that my call to ministry came in the context of as well. And so I just guess I want to be really upfront today that I, I love the church. 
I really love the church. For all of our faults and our flaws and the fact that there is no perfect church and the fact that our reputation out there in the community at sometimes has been very well earned and very well deserved, I love the church. I genuinely delight in serving the church. I have set my life aside to do that very thing. I believe in the church. I believe in what God is doing in and through the church. Right, Ephesians chapter 3, God is making his manifold wisdom known to the rulers and authorities through the church. Like You have to read that. Ephesians 3 verse 10, you have to get that in your heart, store it up in there, that actually what is happening here is one of the ways God is making known his wisdom to all the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's wild. (laughs) That's wild. We are part of God's plan. This thing that we're doing right here, It's beautiful and it's powerful and God is making his goodness and his greatness known through us and the ways that we worship him together, the ways that we follow him together, the ways that we love one another well. And so there's been a real sadness for me over the last five, six years. I think it's only been about that many years that I've been been aware of it. It just feels like there's been this cultural shift take place, uh, even even in the life of, of the church where people have just grown disheartened, discouraged, even disillusioned by this church. I understand the reasons for it. I understand maybe some of the reasons why. Um, But it's been been painful. Uh, It's been painful to see some of the guys I looked up to from afar when I was that young, 16, 17-year-old kid, the guys who were writing worship, writing Christian books to encourage us to holy living, turn away from their faith and throw darts back at the church. And my social media feed, I have to admit, is, is filled with people that seem to be on the way out of churches, uh, deconstructing their faith to, to one degree or another, and on their way out are picking up stones and throwing it back at the houses that they were a part of building. God loves the church. Jesus died for the church. And it's part of his plan to make known his goodness and his love, his righteousness, his mercy, his wisdom known through the life and the witness of a group of ordinary people who come together united by their common love of Jesus, their common story that he has transformed their lives and live it out together in community. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. What a beautiful story. We're not the ones out in the community that need to tell the story of what's happening in here, but they are telling the story. Oh, I knew so-and-so, and they would like this. And they started going to that place called Narara Valley Baptist Church. Got into all that Jesus and God stuff. And geez, their life turned around. Wouldn't that be cool for the stories to be told in our community? For the rumours of what happens in this place to spread. Now this is a place that track with each other, that love each other, that see lives transformed, that are real and authentic in their worship of the one true living God. So let me pray that's the case.
I invite the worship team up as we end our series together. Jesus, for the last six weeks, uh, as a church, um, we've been continuing to think about the ways that we can be missional, the ways that we can live and the ways that we can be in order to reach those who don't yet know you. And God, that is such our heart. And we want to continue to pray for, we want to continue to lift up, and we want to continue to stand on the truth that this church does not exist for itself. That God, we want those who have not yet experienced the faith and the freedom and the forgiveness and the healing and the hope and the joy that's available in your son, Jesus, they would experience it for themselves. So God, would you draw them closer? Would you soften their hearts? God, would you open their eyes and open their ears to the stories that testify to the power of the gospel that we each experience and that together we continue to experience? God, I want to pray a blessing over our common and our shared life as a community of faith here at NVBC. God, may we be a place where you are honoured and glorified, where one another is built up and, and journeyed with. God, where the values of the kingdom are lived out in such an unmistakable, undeniable way that it becomes the talking point of our town. And so, Lord, we pray that from this place, that you would draw many, 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 many more into a living relationship with you. And for us who already have that, Lord, God, would we see how precious this thing is that we've been entrusted with. Not just the gospel, but one another and in this community of faith. So mobilise us, work through us, we pray, for your glory and to prove your wisdom to the heavenly places. And for your sake, Jesus, we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.